0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. we're talking about a a giant of faith called Abraham. The Bible mentions this man. Abraham lived at the same time as the Pharaohs in Egypt when the pyramids were being built. And some of the great civilizations of history, The, you know, some of the the great, the Babylonians and some of the the great civilizations. He was several thousand years uh, before Christ. And he started the movement that ended up with Jesus being born. And when I say movement, what it is is God broke into history. The human race had gone off track and God broke in and chose a man, one man. And we're going to see today part of the reason why he chose that man but he chose one man and that man started a family line which became a nation the nation of Israel which then resulted in one human being born called Jesus who was fully God the son of God but also a human being and then God's river of purpose started spreading out to all nations So when Jesus died and rose again, he said, now go into all nations, all the world, all peoples. So God chose a man, it expanded to a nation, it narrowed right down to one individual, Jesus, and then it expanded to the whole world. It's like the river of God's purpose, started with Abraham, grew, shrunk, and now is growing. And the Bible says of the increase of his government, And rule, there will be no end. So Jesus' kingdom now just gets bigger and bigger and bigger all the time until he comes again and brings it all to a close. But we're looking at Abraham, the giant of faith, and today I want to talk about the house that Abraham built because Abraham was a wealthy man. Did you know that? Abraham was an extremely wealthy man. Genesis 24 verse 1 says, now Abraham was old well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. He lived to 175, which is a good age. (laughs) And he was extremely wealthy. I'll read you a couple of other verses. Genesis 13, 2. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Genesis 24, 35, the Lord has blessed my master Abraham greatly. He has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. Abraham was wealthy. He was also influential. So he had a long lifespan with a lot of material possessions and a lot of influence. There is a story told in Genesis 14 of several kings in Abraham's region fighting with each other. It mentions five kings and then four kings and then it mentions Abraham and another three kings. So there were all these kings in his region and they were invading one another and making alliances and stealing plunder from each other's cities and Abraham stays out of it until his nephew Lot is taken hostage and all of his goods are taken. And Abraham then goes in and he takes it back. He was on a par with the kings and the leaders of cities in his day and age. And my question, well, the obvious conclusion that comes out of that, he's wealthy, he has great influence, and he lives a long time. He must have established something great. The pharaohs built huge pyramids The Babylonians built towers and libraries. Other people of that day and age built cities and nations and and, and huge structures that archaeologists today dig into the earth to find. What did Abraham build? And the reason I'm asking this today is because I want to know what you and I are building. Because the Bible says we are of the seed of Abraham. Everyone who believes in Jesus is considered one of Abraham's descendants and his family. We are heirs or beneficiaries of all the promises God gave to him and all the wealth and blessing that he got. The New Testament says we are beneficiaries of the promises and all the blessings. And part of that is asking the question to you and to me, what did Abraham build and what are you building? What did Abraham build? Did he build a house? Did he build a city? Did he build anything? And the answer, I'm going to give you the, the end of the book at the start of the story. The answer is he never owned or built a single house physical thing. The Bible tells us he lived in tents his entire life. He was a a foreigner and a a wandering migrant for his whole life and it was by choice. He had the means to build and to acquire and to to put foundations down. But we're going to see today that he had a bigger plan in mind. He was a forward thinker You know, some people think ahead. When I was a little kid, you may have been the same, I used to build little forts and little tents. So it started off with we'd put a sheet over a couple of the chairs in the lounge and that was our little thing we'd built. And then I went outside and I started building forts in the bush or in the garden with sticks and trying to make little things together. Then I started digging. I remember one time I tried to dig a cave in my garden and I thought in my mind, I'm gonna dig dig this huge, big, lovely cave, and it's going to be my fort and my hiding place, and after about two hours of digging, I'd maybe removed a few centimeters of earth, and I realized I'm not going to be able to do this, and as we go on, we start thinking bigger and bigger, and we think further and further ahead to the point where, as adults, if we're wise, we build good houses with good foundations, Jesus told a parable about a man who built a house on sand, which means he wasn't thinking ahead. He just built whatever he could on whatever he had. And another man built on rock with good foundations so that when a storm came, that house was solid. Some people, as we get older, a sign of maturity is we build solid houses. We think ahead. What could go wrong? Could there be a storm? Could there be a flood? Could there be an earthquake? What about the stresses and strains? And how do I handle all that? But Abraham went even further. The Bible tells us he was thinking so far ahead and in such a bigger scheme that he built a house that has lasted to this day, whereas the pharaohs and the civilizations and the kings of the past, their buildings and their great, wonderful signs of wealth and influence have decayed to nothing. So my first point is that Abraham didn't build a house, he built a household. Genesis 18 and verse 19 says this, For I have known him, this is God speaking about Abraham. This is why God chose him. It says, For I have known him, all the other translations of the Bible, this is the New King James, all the other translations say, For I have chosen him. The New King James says, For I have known him, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. When God chose Abraham, he said, I've chosen him because I see in him the potential to fashion a family but also I've chosen him to give him the power to build a family, a household. Not a house of bricks and mortar, a household. Abraham poured his energy, his passion, his dreams and hopes, his desires into relationships and into a family of love and of discipline so that it would last after him. He built a family, a household. And my challenge to you, my friend, and my challenge to me, is how much are you building material things versus how much are you building into the people that God has given you to live? I believe when we get to the end of our lives and we're lying on our deathbeds and we're thinking about our lives, we are not gonna be thinking about what we built physically. We're gonna be thinking about people. And wouldn't it be great if we could think about people now instead of just right at the end? Amen? Amen. People matter. People matter. You could build the most beautiful mansion and it will decay. Jesus said, do not lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. Whatever we build on this earth, whatever physical or material or financial thing we build will decay and be gone. It'll be taxed, it'll be stolen, it'll be decayed, inflation will take it, whatever. But relationships, families last forever. Let me put this another way. Your most important business and your most important ministry is your family. More than your earthly business, and more than any other ministry you may have. If you have a ministry of preaching, of praying, of whatever it is, first your family must benefit from that ministry because they will last for generation to generation. God chose Abraham, he said, because a family is going to come out of him. A household will come out of him. And so, our first challenge, but also an encouragement from the Lord, is that God says to you and me, build a household. And you see, when God chooses and, and tells us to do something, he gives us the power to do it. Let me read that verse again. I have known or chosen him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. God says, I've chosen him for this purpose. I see the potential in him and I give him the ability and the power. When God speaks a command or a promise, the ability to obey it comes with with that word. And so today, as you're hearing this, God is saying to you, build your household. And as I'm speaking, his power is released. And he is saying, I'm giving you the power to look after your children, to look after your spouse, to order your family, to pray for your family, to speak God's word to your family, to set your family on a track, on a path that will last forever of righteousness and justice. What you invest in your children is so important. You know, John Wesley was one of, I think it was 17 children Can you imagine how busy his parents were, especially his mother, Susanna? And she found an hour a week for each of her children where she would pray with them and teach them the Bible. And her ministry bore fruit because John Wesley, in his lifetime, over a 100,000 people came to know the Lord. And after his lifetime, millions have come to know the Lord. Her ministry of an hour a week with her son has borne much greater fruit than anything she could have built physically with her hands. Amen? Let's pray for our kids. Let's pray with our kids. Let's share God's word with our kids. Let's prioritize our kids. Let's show them we love them. But can I just give one little word of caution here? I believe in our day and age, some people or some families have idolized their children above God. So that whatever the child wants, it doesn't matter what God says, we give in to the child. We give in to them, we say, okay, we'll do that. The child says, I don't wanna go to church today, I wanna do this and this and this. And the parents thinking they love the child, thinking they are loving the child the right way, say, okay, none of us are going to church. We're gonna go and buy snow cones with you. And I wanna say that Abraham proved that even though he loved his family and his son Isaac more than anything on this earth, he loved God more than he loved Isaac and he obeyed God at a higher priority than Isaac. So when God says, sacrifice your son Isaac, The Bible says early the very next morning, Abraham got up and took his son Isaac and he was willing to obey because God came first. And our children are important. Our families are important. But if we put them above God, we have destroyed the foundation of the household and they will not serve the Lord and then that household will not last. We must put God first. Prayers must come first. Righteousness comes first. Church and God's work We do it. We say, children, this is what we do as a family, and we show them that they are not above God. Amen? The second thing is that Abraham built a heavenly house. Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, starting from verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. <laughs> I just love that verse so much. It's saying that Abraham looked at Ur of the Chaldeans. He looked at Haran. He looked at all the other cities he went to. He looked at Egypt. He looked at all the different kingdoms around him and all the structures and cities that were being built. And he said, none of them has a foundation. Only God's work has a real foundation. And I am building for the city that has real foundations that will last forever. How about you? You say, Greg, are you saying we shouldn't build businesses? Greg, are you saying we shouldn't own bank accounts? Gregor, you're saying we shouldn't own houses. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying build them, have them, use them, but keep your eyes on the bigger picture and use them for a bigger purpose. They are not the end goal. They are a tool to be used for God's kingdom, for building God's kingdom, amen? And when we get that foundation right, everything else falls into place. Matthew 6, Jesus said, The the people of this world run around seeking clothes and food and money. But your father knows that you need all these things. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Build, Build God's house. Build God's kingdom and all these other things. Yes, they'll be added. Abraham had plenty that he needed. But don't make those the goal of your life because it's a fleeting, useless goal. You get it and you realize that's not what I wanted. That doesn't satisfy But God's kingdom lasts forever. Let's read on. It talks about Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off. So there's four points here that I'm gonna just bring out of this one verse. They saw them afar off. They saw a picture of what God wanted to do. They saw the heavenly city of heaven and what it could be in the earth. They saw them afar off. They were assured of them. They said, I'm choosing to believe that is true and that is more important than earthly things They embraced them. That means they took action and started changing their life. They started prioritizing God's things, using their money. Abraham gives a tithe of everything he has to to God. They start embracing them and changing their decisions. And they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. It comes out of their mouth. Romans 10 says you believe in your heart, but you confess with your mouth, and those two must go together. Your words must say God comes first. To your children, to your family, to people around you, the way we speak guides us. James chapter 3 says your words are a rudder that guide the direction of your life. What you say changes where you go. They saw, they were assured, they embraced, they spoke, and they moved on. How are you doing? Have you seen God's bigger picture? Have you been assured of it? Have you made a decision? This is the way I'm building. Have you embraced it in your decisions and have you spoken correctly? And then he goes on to say, for those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek a homeland, a home. It's not wrong to want a home, but we've got to want the correct one, not an earthly one that will decay. He goes on to say, And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. If Abraham had allowed himself to let his thoughts wander back to Ur of the Chaldeans, where he was comfortable, where he had a brick and mortar house, where he had grown up, where everything was familiar to him, where he had plenty of everything. If he'd let his mind wander, he could have gone back to Ur. But listen to what it says. But now they desire a better That is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise. And then it goes on to talk about him offering his son. He had in mind something bigger. He wasn't just thinking of the next 10, 20, 30 years. He was thinking of eternity. And because he built For the kingdom of God, you and I are worshiping God, and we have access to heaven today because of what Abraham did. Can I ask you, that thing you're building today, how long will it last? That family that you're investing your time into, if you invest into them more, think about how long that spiritual legacy will last. That church and the way that you're building into God's kingdom, how many more people will that bless and how long will that last? Let me just read the last two verses of Hebrews 11. It says, All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect, apart from us. We inherit the promise that Abraham bought for us. Right, I want to close with one scripture now. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He says, don't be sluggish. Don't just let the world lull you into a sense of sleepiness. Okay, we're just going along with what everyone else thinks. No, don't be sluggish. By faith and patience, imitate those who inherited God's promises. I'm challenging you, my friend, and me. Let's be like Abraham. Let's inherit the promises, not just what the world gives us. For when God made a promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so, after he had patiently endured, he had obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. So what he's saying is God swore, saying surely I will bless you. And it says we have two things that we can rely on that God's promise is true. One, God never lies and to God said by an oath surely I will do this he says we can inherit and, and re- respond like Abraham did and then listen to this we have fled for refuge to lay hope to lay hold of the hope set before us this hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus. What he says is we can have an anchor for our souls. And the picture I'm gonna close with this is of a boat on the water. He says we have an anchor for our souls. We're a boat. You and I are, are like a boat on the stormy seas. And the winds come and the waters rise and fall and there are currents and our boat can be swayed. By the world around us, by the opinions of those around us, the media and and everything around us, the voice of this world shouts at you. Obtain and acquire wealth. Build physical things. Meet your fleshly needs first. And we have all of this buffeting coming at us from around. But it says, just as Abraham was strong in his faith, we can put an anchor Behind the veil, it says. And what that means is just like a boat can put an anchor below the surface of the water, it can't see where that anchor is going. It's like in in a hidden murky world, the depths of the sea. But the anchor goes down, and it fastens into the solid rock on the bed of the sea, and that boat is held strong. And it doesn't matter what winds or currents come, that boat will not be moved because it is anchored. It says we can put an anchor into the promises of God's word behind the veil. In other words, into the spiritual realm. We see, like Abraham saw, not just the physical dust and earth around him. He saw the heavenly realm and he put an anchor in there and he said, I'm building for something greater. You and I can put an anchor into God's word. And every day we get up and we say, God, I see this world around me. I see my bank account balance. I see the problems I'm having in my family or at work. I see the way people are looking at me or speaking to me or speaking about me. I see that, but God, I choose to look beyond the veil, behind what I can physically see into the unseen realm, and I'm putting an anchor into your word. And God, your promises are more true and more real than anything I can see or feel around me. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.